When I was 8, I was crazy about the world of Barbie. And so my parents signed me up for this experience called Fly with Barbie. It was on Emirates or Etihad, one of those airlines, and you basically got to take a flight with Barbie. And the whole process was very adult-like. We had a check-in. Uh we took suitcases with us and it was just going to be one or two hours um on a flight where you know Barbie was going to walk by the aisles and we could take pictures and you know all that good stuff that 8-year-old girls dream of and something i distinctly remember about this incident is that i was the only kid on board who was indian and this had me so self-conscious even back then that i don't really remember any other part of that experience i was just painfully aware that i looked very different and all the kids were some kind of caucasian and of course barbie herself was blonde and white many stories come up today about this sort of a childhood experience where people strongly felt like misfits for no fault of theirs and they invalidated their own uniqueness and spent years feeling small This is probably why this generation shouts for diversity with all its might. It's because for a lot of us a part of our childhood was robbed because of the lack of multicultural acceptance we saw around us. Back when media wasn't as democratized, it was often the American gaze that we all saw. And now we know that it was definitely some degree of problematic. Shifting the lens and viewing the country and its people as a foreigner You start to really notice the many many diverse voices especially of those that have been here a far longer time. The African Americans or black people as they are referred to in the states are one of the oldest communities to call this country home. At first my FOB self thought it was pretty racist to collectively call a people black or even white for that matter because Why why refer to someone with their literal skin color? But I soon learned two things that one, it was not considered offensive in this country, and two, that most black people in America, if we're really talking hues, are actually a shade of brown. The black experience was one of the most fascinating insights for me as a South Asian immigrant in America. I could see in their struggles some of the complexities that come with my own historical baggage. In India every community has had some kind of hardship thrown their way. Be it riots, systemic vanquishing, mass conversions, what have you. There is rarely a safe space to talk about these events and the feelings that come up with it without it being politicized. We often get caught up in who had it harder, not ever studying the impact on our psyche as a nation. So, it's reactionary dialogue, not solution based. We never confront it authentically, dismissing it as a first world approach to do so, saying we have functional difficulties to worry about, and so we never escape it. Dormant feelings affect us on a subconscious level. Now black people, they talk about their pain. They express it constantly through music and all channels of media which I found refreshing. They also face the struggle of being represented as one block of people where the black experience and thought isn't all the same. Not all of them feel like victims, not all of them feel the same way about civil rights. 
Here too, there exists a gap between the educated black person and the average black man. There may be a commonality in that they are both discriminated against in different ways, but there also exists a distance within the community brought out by class and education. Quite similar to the dynamics present in post-colonial Indian society. Rashan and I met on a set in LA. Our connection quickly went beyond film and onto heavier topics with ease. Nothing was ever off the table with this guy and so he was an obvious choice to have on the show. This is two homies in conversation being curious and vulnerable, discussing aspects of life and identity in America. Aliens. With visas. Okay, attempt number two. Arishan, we'll, you know, screw all the beginning stuff, but let's just get right to, um, if you don't mind, could you just... I just want to put it out there. It's been very hard to do this interview. Right from getting a cable to shutting my neighbor off, I just think, like, need a round of applause just for the fact that we're here. Absolutely. This is beginning. I saw that coming. I did too. I did not actually. Right. The screen's fine. Everything's good. Okay. Um, so yeah, we were talking about why you moved to LA and like, when did that happen? You just paint me a little picture of uh, where you're from and what brought you here to LA. It was about 2012. Uh, I was in my second year of college at Mercy in New York City. Because of financial uh, things, I couldn't stay in college. So I wound up dropping out and I had a choice of leaving New York or staying in my apartment. If I left New York, I would have went back home to Philadelphia. So I stayed in New York for a year and it got hard and I did not want to go back to Philly. I just refused to. So I took a risk and I came to L.A. because I was a writer and I felt, hey, it's a creative town. I'll fit right in. And that was four or six years ago. I get the feeling that uh, coming to L.A. is considered a big deal, even just among people in America. Like not everyone just goes to L.A. I don't know. For me, it's... It's been easy to uproot and leave. I mean, even leaving from Philadelphia to New York City, and that was only a 200-mile distance, you know? It, was, it's, it, wasn't almost, it wasn't unheard of, but it was definitely a jump for most people back home. They wouldn't do it. I mean, my grandma, she's lived in Philadelphia all her life in the same part of North Philadelphia. You know, it's just a thing to be around family and to stay where you know, you know? This, Never leave your bounds. Right, this is so interesting because the feeling is that Americans are actually not too close-knit because we, I mean, I'm just putting it out there. This is like the sentiment that divorces are far more common. So we're sometimes told by our own local media, we're just given the idea that family is not the same like what it is back home. But I have to agree with you. I've noticed that not just Thanksgiving, people people out here do care about family. Like Family exists very much. And um, so, yeah, that's just one thing right off the bat that took me by surprise when I first moved here. I feel every culture, or not even culture, but every uh, family, individual family, has their own view of what family is. You know what I mean? Like, uh, my family fights a lot, you know, but they're always together. You know, it's, it's, it's not the picture-perfect happy family by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's family, you know, it's like the one thing that connects you to this planet, to someone else, is your bloodline, you know? So I guess that's, uh, it, I guess that's how people see it. But anyway, uh, aside from that, with me, it's, I've always been uh, willing to go outside my boundaries, you know? It's just partly because I've moved so much as a child. I moved, I went to four different elementary schools in fourth grade alone i'm sorry five elementary schools in fourth grade alone yeah and and that was only in six months that wasn't even a complete school year 
So, uh, yeah, I just spent a lot of time moving and I wound up finally uh, settling in a, a suburban neighborhood, which I was definitely uh, a culture shock for me. But I wound up settling there and uh, I was never really settled there, you know, just because it was a culture shock. I came from an inner city and then I moved to this place where it was 98 percent Caucasian and only 0.5 percent black, you know, so it was I, I was never stable there. So I guess I grew up with that mentality and I was just more able to go outside somewhere else you know what i mean so i guess moving was not something that scared you no really. not at all but but it is uncommon from what i gather like you were just telling me about your grandmom that people don't really leave their you said boundaries that was what you used absolutely like uh put it like this uh my whole family we grew up in north philadelphia you know and the suburban town i moved to as a kid it was all the way on the main line you know just maybe 30 40 miles outside of the city you know in a suburban town and my grandmother she never came over it's just 30 miles because she was used to brick and concrete you know she wasn't used to nature you know and she said she always got sick she did come over my house a few times obviously uh, we've lived there for 14 years now, but she was always uncomfortable there. And it wasn't because of the neighborhood or the people within the neighborhood, you know, because even in that suburban town, the uh, we lived on a street that was all minorities, you know, so it was even secluded within that town. But so that wasn't a problem. It wasn't the culture for her. It was just the nature, the herring birds chirp, you know, herring birds sing in the morning. You don't get that in the inner cities, you know. There's a lot of construction going on. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot. And she also lived in projects all her life. So uh, she lived on a, she still lives to this day on the 18th floor of a uh, 25 story building. You know, so it's just, it's it's yeah. different for her, even that 30 mile distance. Yeah. So you were the one who decided to spend some time in New York and then mm -hmm. it got too expensive and you're like, yeah, way I, too expensive. Yeah. You know, the first one saying this, like I had an Uber ride with someone the other day and she was saying the same thing. She went to AMDA, which is this acting school. Uh -huh. And she said she spent some time in New York and she, I feel like most people who do that, they come to LA and they're like, I wish I could live Freedom. in New York. Yeah. I, I, New York is my first love mainly because I am an East coaster born and raised. What does that mean? Now break it down to me, please. Because mm -hmm. Whatever. East Coast. Um, <laughs> East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I've picked up on a few things, but I've, I want to hear it from you. No, uh, West Coast life is definitely more laid back life. You know, it's beach life. It's, it's, uh, gosh, I, I can only speak for LA, uh, Southern yeah, California, LA. but, uh, it's definitely much more laid back. It's, uh, we're on a different time, not even just the time zone, but we even live on different times. Like people don't wake up here until like 10 a.m. You know, it's it's the morning doesn't start until 10 a.m. noon, you know, and uh, it's just different on the East Coast. Like take New York, for instance, New York never sleeps. I mean, L.A., for instance, uh, it's so big and it's so spread out that there's so many, many miniature cities in this uh, county, you know, so it's like New York, it's everything's clumped together, though you're on top of each other and it sounds bad. <laughs> like a lot of uh, West Coasters don't like that idea of being on top of each other and just claustrophobia, but I don't know. It's like <laughs> I get energy from that. One thing I definitely get, because I'm an uh, Uber Lyft driver as well, I I speak to East Coasters sometimes and we uh, compare stories, you know, and we definitely do notice that uh, on the East Coast, it's definitely, uh, people are much more humble, you know, uh, people are more inclined to help you out, 
with something small or let you in the door. Not saying it doesn't happen here because it happens here all the time, you know, but it's definitely some something that's different. But uh, maybe it's because the fact that L.A. is uh, the city of transplants, you know? Yeah, so L.A. is the exception. That's why, you know, you might have generosity, mm-hmm. here, but maybe not so much in, I don't know, maybe San Diego. Mm-hmm. One perspective I did get last week, actually, I was talking to someone about it and uh, on a uh, Lyft ride, actually, and she was uh, telling me that people in L.A., they feel others are rude or distant or even fake. We get fake a lot in L.A., you know, and uh, one it's because of its industry city, you know, the Mm -hmm. film industry, the music industry. It's all glitter and glam. You know, it's it's an illusion. And so Mm -hmm. people bring that uh, energy out into the real world because this is where it is, you know. So you have that one part of it. But you also have the uh, idea of, of passing on your energy. Like yeah. like the way she gave it to me, which I never thought about, was uh, you come in with the idea that people are going to be assholes or that people are going to be distant, you know, because it's L.A. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just the stereotype. So right. you come in with that idea and your energy is already directed toward it. Uh-huh. So you yourself become distant and mm-hmm. questioning everything. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a perfect way of putting it. And... Uh, it made it made a lot of sense. It's like I never thought about it, but everyone always says those words. You know, people in LA are fake. People in LA are distant. You know, set up coffee dates that have never happened, and blah blah blah. And uh, take us for instance. Like, how many times in this last year have we promised to meet up and it never yeah. <laughs> happens? You know, but it's not a fake thing. It's, it's just the busyness. You know, so I didn't really know too much about LA besides it being industry city. You know, mm-hmm. and. We also got to take into account that when we were in high school, though it was only a few years ago, but we didn't have so much access to the world as far as YouTube goes. Like, look how much content you get on YouTube, literally anything, you know, or even Facebook, just the interconnections. I mean, we had Facebook in high school. Facebook came out when I was in eighth grade, but it wasn't as uh, big as it is now. You know, we didn't have Vines. We didn't have so much reality shows uh, and though i have my own personal uh, problems with the reality shows but it still shows the world just in a fake way but you know so like uh people now today we we could see so much i forget the damn question you were just saying that today, like, you know, you didn't have an idea about what to expect out of it. Uh, yeah, my expectations right. of L.A. Now yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So so growing up today, you you will know what L.A. is about because there's so much content about L.A. or about New York or Indianapolis or uh, Dubai. A lot of people who come to America, we, we have this particular image. And uh, that's the biggest challenge of the first few months of living here. I, I'll tell you a couple of things and you can tell me what you think. Number one, we think that everyone, uh, you know, you have you have a you have a group of friends of people of different ethnicities and races. When in reality, it definitely doesn't seem like it. It's like white people stick together and brown people stick together, Asian people stick together. So that's that's usually a really big shock. It's interesting you say that the image thing because image is everything in America. Mm-hmm. Image is everything in uh, presentation. Is everything you know image presentation whatever but the um j- just look at how much advertisement means to the planet and how effective it is if it wasn't effective then pepsi wouldn't spend two billion a year on advertisements you know uh look at mcdonald's commercials when you say image 
what do you see in every McDonald's commercial? An Asian, a black, and a white dude all in a yeah. car at the drive-thru having fun, right. you know? I'm not saying that's not reality because I have both black, Asian, and white friends, you know? But that's the reality that they want to put forward, you know? That's, the, that's their agenda, the idea of inclusiveness, which America is not about inclusiveness. And I get it. Like, when you say it like that, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Because now I feel stupid. Like, yeah, that's an advertisement. Why did I buy into that? Mm -hmm. But everything, TV shows, movies, it's all like that. I feel like that's the thing. Most things which come out of America are advertisements in some way or the other. Even if it's a TV show, it's sort of like pitching. What you have to sell your brand. Yeah. I mean, think of Trump before this whole election thing. Mm -hmm. before, before he became who he is right now. Right. You know, just... Two years ago. Mm. What we know now about him is uh, that he's not very smart. To, yeah. I, I, I won't <laughs> go into deep detail because yes. we're not, uh, that's no. not the, but uh, just he is about branding, yeah. about selling his brand. And just two years ago, no one hated him. Mm. He was a smart, rich man who was full of himself, but no one cared about that. You know, yeah. he was all about selling. This is my brand. I could sell anything. That's mm. why his name is on so many buildings in New York and all around the world. He, don't, he doesn't own most of these buildings, mm. you know, but it's the name. It's the selling. I can bring gold. I can bring you gold. I could make you gold mm. so here's my brand so put my name on it you know it's the same thing with nike the same thing with most of these companies corporate companies you know it's all about branding yeah. what this means and put it on a pedestal right you're talking about how corporate america is just like it's it's so much of what america is yeah america that we see America is nothing but consumerism, you know. Mm. It's it's all we know is consumption. Mm. That that's what that's what drives. Um, I won't say us, but that's what drives America yeah. is consumption. And it's like, mm. it. I almost look at it like uh, take analogy for instance. Uh, uh, someone who's depressed, you know, mm. they're, they're they're trying to fill something. They're yeah. trying to fill a void, so they just continue eating and eating and mm. eating because that's what makes them feel good. America, there's something missing. It's hollow, you know. Mm. So that's why we're a consumer-based um, society because we just need, we're trying to find something that's going to fulfill something that's missing. Mm. And what's missing is morality. Okay, that's a very interesting perspective. Obviously, you've had a lot of time to think about this. I mean, this is something that's probably in your mind a lot, just in the background. But like, I'm, you know, I want you to kind of go back to the the high school, Rashan, who probably did not know that he did <laughs> not consciously this. know about the, the consumerist culture. But did you ever think about countries outside of America? Or was it was your life and pop culture all of it centered just around? All of my life was centered around what America wanted me to have it centered around social media, mm. uh, television, mm. uh, sports, mm. uh, making money, even though making money is still very part, part of my life. But uh, yeah, it was uh, surrounded by everything that we're, it's, we're supposed to be as a teenager. You know, there's this rite of passage that you don't have to, you shouldn't have to think much, you know, it's, it's, and plus, I mean, one of the worst things about the uh, education system in America, which is why it's so bad, is because it doesn't teach us to be self-thinkers. It doesn't teach us to uh, think outside of the box. It teaches us the color exactly in the lines that's given to us. <laughs> okay, this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Mm. People outside of the country don't think that way because we certainly don't get that image. We get, we get that image that this is a place that tells you to, you know, fly, spread your wings. But we also don't get the image that Apple, uh, 
their products are made by children and by uh, slaves in China. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't get that either. Right. You get the half-bitten apple with the genius of Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. That's what you get. You get prestige. You get a new shiny object. Mm -hmm. You get a touchscreen something, you know? Mm -hmm. It's America's the corporation and you are the, uh, what do you call it? The investor. You're buying the stock. You don't buy the stock unless it's good mm -hmm. on paper because you notice most of these stocks are really bad. It's just uh, they, they make it look good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's all it is. It's you, right. you have to buy into it and it has to look nice. I mean, that's the way it goes with everything in society, though, even mm -hmm. uh, in dictatorships, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hitler had to make himself look likable. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to make it look like he was fighting against something that was terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and people bought into it and... So did you buy into it when you were a kid? Did you think America was the best country in the world? I never thought about it being the best country in the world because I, me, I, I'm kind of against the whole competitive society thing. No, but yeah, yeah. Well, well, I that that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I'll say back then I just it. didn't. But yeah. back then I didn't think about it being the best country or the worst country. Okay. You know, I just didn't. That wasn't in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think about it as a child. Uh, okay. be, but I will say I was taught it and subconsciously I accepted it. Uh, take my high school, for instance. You mm -hmm. know, it was, I think it ranked top five in the state in Pennsylvania. But uh, Radnor High School that was. And in 10th grade, we learned the map of Europe. We had to memorize the map of Europe, you know. And it was, that's one of those subconscious things where it's like, uh, they're not telling you directly this is greatness, you know, but they're they're, they're giving it to you. They're, they're giving it to you in picture form, you know, right. giving these uh, countries and putting them, uh, shaping them on paper to be bigger than what they are, you know, and then in ledgers in a corner, mm -hmm. it tells you that these countries are 14 times smaller than what they are, mm -hmm. you know, it's and then they make South America smaller than what it is. And mm -hmm. Africa, they've separated on different sides of the map to... to distort your view so they're not telling you hey we're the best hey africa shit or hey mm -hmm. you know we're, we're pristine you know we are first world because of dot 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 and not we're first world because we say so you know uh. they give us those images and say here you here you go you know figure it out on your own but it's not really once it's kind of one-sided but you you're given the illusion that you have a choice and you're you're you know thinking a free thinker right but but what is choice really because a rat in a maze would think he have a choice also to go left or right but really someone's giving him those choices by setting a maze up mm. you know right. so it's like yeah we have the choice to freely think but with what you're given yeah but what we're given you know mm. So do you know how many, do you know a lot of foreign students right now? Or like just first generations, or like me? Uh, I can say, I wouldn't say no, but I'll say associates. I, I, I About four or five in right. LA right now. Right, right. And I mean, in your limited interactions, because I guess you, you just mentioned they're all more of acquaintances. Yeah. But um, do you, do you ever wonder like why they left their countries and you know do you do you ever get into that part of the conversation or i don't 
wonder why they leave their country. I mean, it's obvious why, because as we, as we just spoke about, I mean, image is everything, and America is the shit on paper, you know? Image is, it's, in America, you, you would think that it's a free society, that you could become anything, and you can become anything. I'm not knocking that at all. You literally can become anything in America. But what I'm saying is uh, the image, that, that part of America is pushed forward, you know? It's, it's truth mixed in a lie, you know? They, they push the truth to the forefront, but they, they misdirect you in so many ways, you know? The, the, the bad stuff is swept under the rug while the uh, greatness is uh, brought to the light. And you grow up with that, you know. It's like an echo chamber. No, just, absolutely. Because like, oh, I, I grew up, I grew up with the truth. I grew up with the truth. Mm. The truth is that America is great. But what is great, you know? You don't. You're not taught what is great. Once again, you don't. You're taught to not color outside the lines. Mm. We know that great means good. It, it's it's a quality, you know. It, it's it's a size even, you know. But we're not taught to think about, analyze what is greatness, you know? What is the cost of greatness? You know, we're not taught to think about that type of stuff. Right. We're just taught to take it for what it is. Yeah. America's great point blank, period. And you probably start thinking of that when it's a little too late. And then, I, I mean, people do think about it, I guess. But no, not, like, probably not in the sixth grade. Maybe like in the, it depends. People, How, however you I'll say, <laughs> uh, with Americans, for instance, because uh, I don't talk too much politics with uh, foreigners, just because I can understand their point of view. They're just outsiders. It's sure. it's like being a guest in a in a house, and you don't want to talk to the husband about beating the shit out of his wife. You know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, Americans I do speak to about this. Um, they understand, and I lost my train of thought. I know, and this time I did too. That's the funny thing. We got to we got to find a way of doing this better. Like um. No, I was just asking you about, you were talking about uh, how you'd have this image of greatness. And I said that obviously you wouldn't question it if you were in a sixth grade. And you, I think you were going to tell me yeah, at what yeah. age people started. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, Americans, the one thing I do notice about Americans so is that sense, we yeah. start to expand our minds after high school. Ah. After the indoctrination process. <laughs> Your face <was> <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, so because at that point we're not... Um, we're not those rats in the maze, you know, like uh, at that point in college, we're given our own curriculum. We, we literally choose what we want to do, where we want to go, where we want to live, what we want to eat, what classes we want to go to, I mean, what time of day we want to go to class, you know. In high school, you get, you have to take a science, you have to take a social studies, you have to take my math and English, you know, and each one of those subjects, you're being indoctrinated in some way, shape or form, you know, in college. You're, you're more free thinking, you know, there's lectures, you know, so it's not always, it's not about the test, it's about what you're getting from the topic, you know, so you start to expand your mind a little bit, and then you start meeting up with other students, and freedom, bad. yeah, freedom leads to one thing or another, because though you're still not free in college, you're more free than you were in grade school, <laughs> you know, and you start to expand your mind, you start yeah. to meet people from other countries, other yeah. states, yeah. You oh, know, wow. and I, I mean, never thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah, think of it this way: uh, you're growing up with the same people from one to eighteen. And I mean, you're after high after school, not after high school, but after the school day ends, you're carpooling, you're going to sports practice with yeah. these same people, you're uh, playing instruments with them. It's not until eighteen that you become free from all that, from that bubble that you were born and raised in. If you're if you're an, if you're a legal immigrant, it's a long process, and you you. 
you think that once you get a green card that's when you're technically you're as american as you can get mm-hmm. and then you know you're pretty set you can live here and then people still always wrestle with the feeling that they're like i feel like i don't belong here i don't belong there but tell me like in your opinion what does it mean to sort of be how do you become a true american <laughs> to become a true american is to become to be born a white christian that's what it is to be american i mean just just take just take the jews for instance i mean the white jews they're getting their fair share of the hate pie right now too and the only literally the only major difference between these two groups of people is the god that they serve you know that's the only difference between those two but yet they're still getting their share of the hate you know and why is that you know cuz they're white if i mean without the uh without their garment without their jewish uh traditional garment you can't tell him from a Christian. You can't. So why are they getting their share of the hate? You know, it's understandable. I won't ever ask why black people are hated because I know why they're hated in America. You know, I get that. I am black. I've been black for 25 years. I get that. But why the Jews? You know, I get the Mexicans because this is technically their land and you, and you, and you don't want to admit it. I get that. Why the natives? Because of the same thing. But why the Jews? You know? And it's because this is a white nation. This is a white Christian nation. It was always, it's always been that. And it always will be. On some level. On most levels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we talk about the separation of church and state, but how much of religion, of Christian religion philosophy is put into our politics? It's always been that way. It's implicit. And it, it's just we, we take America for what we're given in the media the propaganda that's put out there, the pro-America propaganda, you know. Yeah, it's we're all buying into it. You guys as citizens and we as people who don't live here are all buying into that same propaganda. And uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's what you said about... I'll say, yeah. um, since you said uh, we're all buying into it, I'll say uh, that right there, the buying into the propaganda, those who do buy into it and those who don't... Uh, there's a fundamental difference. Mm-hmm. And of course, not everybody on uh, in every race is on the same page. Of course, yeah. of course not at all. But uh, I'll say the reason why there's so many problems between the black community and the white community is because the black community is not buying into the propaganda. Because we know firsthand, we experience it every day, that this is not, America is not what they tell people America is, mm-hmm. you know? And I also, I've, we've talked about this, I've noticed that a lot of um, black people don't usually leave America as much, so it's... Because we're taught, that our home, we're taught that our homeland is a war zone. We're taught that our homeland is third world. We're taught that we can get AIDS just by stepping into Africa. But besides what we're taught, we're also uh, forced into economic depression at all times in American history. So we don't have the economics, we don't have the finances yeah. to go visit Africa for ourselves to find out, you know. America, you know, black, yeah. Really, any, I mean, Africa, but any. Yeah, I mean, uh, take Ghana, for instance. There's a program, it's called the Right to Abode program. And what it does, it allows black American citizens, the, uh, the descendants of slaves, to apply. And uh, you apply, you get accepted, and you have citizenship in Ghana, Africa. That's on the West Coast. It's, it's, but black people don't know about this information. Take politics, for instance, you know. 
uh, what do they do for the black community? Name one thing that has been specifically done for the black community. Mm-hmm. I could tell you what's been specifically done for the gays, what's been specifically done for the Jews, the Asians, the Japanese. I could tell you about the uh, the reparations that the Japanese got for being sent to the internment camps with the reparations that the, um, the Jews got for um, World War II. And we were the freaking saviors. We, we gave them reparations for something that we saved them from. But yet blacks still get denied, you know? We built this country without, without black labor, free 300 years worth of free black labor. There would be no uh, industrial revolution, which led to immigration, which led to tall skyscrapers, which led to trillion dollar industries. There would be none of that without our free labor, but yet we're still pushed aside. You have these student immigrants or just immigrants in general who come to this country and they don't know about this history because they, they're looking at, and I, I think we've talked about this too, it's like whatever image of black people that the rest of the world gets is what comes out in pop culture. Mm-hmm. You take you you get the lower uh, the lower vibrations of black people. No, it's not even look. On the contrary, people think that it's a very like it's it's all about clubbing and partying. But there's the lower vibrations exactly. <laughs> that for a lot of countries and a lot of people, that's considered the high life. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying it's not very humanized. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, there's there's a very big chance that someone can go by big part of their life not knowing the actual black history mm-hmm. um, of you know Americans. And I I'll still stick with the lower vibrations and I'll explain why. Mm. I mean the high life, yeah, okay, the high life in terms of finances and stress, being stress free, absolutely, you know. Who wouldn't? Fifty Cent, I would love to have his life. He just fly around in choppers <laughs> like country to country. Like, like, like it's nothing. Going to clubs, getting paid to go to clubs. Anybody would want to do that. You know, that's freedom. I mean, that that's life. Life is about expression, and you know, art is expression. Art is the true only the only true form of expression we have that's capitalized off of, that's monetized. You know, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm not knocking their hustle at all. You know, but what I do mean by the lower uh, vibrations of us is that that's what promoted to the outside world. Hip hop is the most influential uh, culture on the planet. And that's been said by the BBC and many other publications, you know? And they present this form of us to the world and it seems fun, it seems cool, but that's the only form we're given. They don't show the doctors. They don't show the men who created the internet who were black, you know? They don't show the titans of industry who were black but were shut out, you know? They don't show any of this. And it's, it goes back to the perception of again, you know, everything is about image. So America puts out this uh, a particular image of what they want to be represented as. Mm-hmm. Black people, they give, once again, uh, we don't have control over our image. We don't have control over industry. We don't have control over business, over banking, over anything, you know. So the image that, that people have of us is given to them by others, by the people who still, who conquered us and who still do control us. But you still maintain that this is a country where anyone can be anything they want and this is a land of opportunity? 100%. But it's such a rigged system and there are some people predisposed to not succeed. Absolutely. It would seem, so can anyone... But the, the question wasn't will anyone, the question is can anyone. The opportunity to try to make it is there. You know, the tr- opportunity to try to make it is there 100%. The question is, are you going to take it? And what are you going to do to make it? 
I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not going to say you're going to keep all your morals once you do make it. But the opportunity to make it is there 100%. I will never deny that. Look at Jay-Z. He was a poor uh, bastard. I'm going to say bastard because that's what he was. A fatherless kid, you know. And he's a billionaire right now. Sprint just solidified his company title. They bought 33% of title. This man will forever be wealthy. I mean, though people have their problems with him, I have some problems with him, but what his family means to the black community is everything because, again, we don't have J.P. Morgans. We don't have uh, Nikola Teslas because they were shut out of history. Mm. Jay-Z and Kanye even write a, wrote a song about it. Shit on me, you're trying to write me out of your history. Right. That's what they do, you know? So so for us, a Jay-Z means something, you know? Because he came from Brooklyn, best eye. People were getting shot down in his projects every day. And look at who he is right now. Look at who his wife is. His wife is practically a walking goddess <laughs> on this planet. Like, come on, and they're both black. Mm. They're both black. That means something. That really do. Yeah, I'm going to let you take a break, get a sip of juice. So that's my next question. Have you ever encountered anyone who's not from this country being ignorant about black history? I mean, like, I know we hear a lot about, you know, white people not getting it and all of that. But have you personally encountered anyone who's um, maybe someone foreign? I learned to stay away from it with foreigners. Because? Because it's... uh, one, I get that they're outsiders, you know, so it's, it's again, it's being a guest in a house and mm. it's mentioned, speaking on something that you have no place in, right. even if it's morally right for you to speak, mm. you know. So you have that one part of it, which I understand, but also they don't have the history, you know, they don't have the understanding. You All you have is your talking points that were given to you that you don't realize are talking points, you know. It's, you're giving, oh, America is great, oh, slavery ended 200 years ago, but what about the ripple effects of slavery? You know, what, what about the domino effect? What about the legacy that left behind it? Because after slavery, we went through Jim Crow for another 80 years, you know? After slavery, we were still getting hosed down and beaten by dogs and bitten by dogs. They were still feeding our babies to alligators, you know? Politics, when you look at the reality of it and step outside of that Republican Democrat paradigm because when you realize right wing and left wing are both two wings of the same damn vulture that you know that it doesn't it's pointless you know so when you step out of that then we can have a conversation but most people in America they're still stuck in that left right paradigm when they don't realize that they're both co-workers let me put it this way it's one thing um, to get into a discussion with someone who's not from America uh, to maybe talk about like affirmative action, they might not get it, you know, because they or they might get it, they might not get it. But as you said, they're given talking points, so it doesn't feel like a very. Let's take. We could take uh, affirmative action, for instance. You know, a great talking point is um, people feel that we live in a post-racial society because of uh, because of affirmative action, but they don't realize that affirmative action helped white women and handicapped people more than it ever helped black people. Um, I know I, I, you're not a spokesperson for everyone, but I'm just maybe I'm curious about your personal views. Do you feel like, do you ever feel like people aren't taking an effort to understand the history of this country? Or do you feel like, nah, it's, it's not really their fault? Or It depends on the type of uh, foreigner, mind you. And once again, mm. 
even when I go specific in groups, I'm not speaking generally on all of them. But I will say, uh, for instance, a European foreigner or a European native also, you know, I feel a lot of it is willful ignorance, you know, because to understand the black plight is to understand your successes. And then you come to terms with the fact that the black man's, uh, his progression in society means my degression, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's what do you call it? I, it's like a scale, you yeah. know? It's, it's one or the other. You know, you can't have black and white success in the same realm because when you realize that we are culture, we will, <laughs> we will take over. We are culture. We are art. We are music. Name one music genre that black people did not create. Name one dance move that black people did not create that's popular. Because you have waltzing and line dancing, but that's not on YouTube. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's Name one aspect of culture that black people do not influence, you know? We crescent what becomes popular, from clothing styles to hairstyles. We do it. Uh, it it's, it's that simple. I mean, even, yeah. even the emulation of our... Our, of our complexion yeah. with uh, the trillion dollar industry of the tanning bed salons or, or, or spray tans or, or even lip injections, which is a now a thing, you know, black people, we naturally have thick lips, thick <laughs> hips and uh, other parts, you know, and that's being right. emulated now, yeah. you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So we are culture. It's right. I get it. Your culture. But I, I guess so. I guess immigrants or people who are maybe from asia oh, that's or, I, I i lost track of the conversation but uh yeah, yeah i feel it, ultimately it's willful ignorance it's just mm -hmm. willful ignorance because it, it ends with their greatness is my is my failure you know like mm -hmm. i can't maintain dominance in society if we I give them an equal equal opportunity right. when someone says america to someone who hasn't visited america ever we still kind of picture it as a white a white image. I was aware that there are people of all colors and ethnicities, but I just got this vibe that it was a majority white kind of place because of what you see, I guess, media representation and everything. It just, um, yeah, it's very easy, I think, to just think that American equals white and not what it truly is. It's so, perception. That's what you're supposed to see it as. Yeah. I mean, you... I don't know what American. Do you see any American uh, advertisements overseas? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Advertising is basically through TV shows. But in the 90s, it was Friends. And Friends had all white people in their cast. You're seeing diversity only now. And it's still, like, very slow. This, very even La La Land, for example, was all white. There wasn't one person of color in that movie. Yeah. I bet there was a lot of black music. Oh yeah, there was. Was there? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And there was a jazz club uh, with a, you know I black watched, people. So um, yeah. I finally sat through Fifty Shades of Grey. A Why couple would you do ago. that? I don't know. I was Ugh. bored at home and it was Judging on TV. You. Shut up. So <laughs> so I finally sat through it. Of course, the one black person I did see in a movie happened to be a like ticket taker or like a uh, you know just a a background right. worker in a movie. For sure. You know and um. Uh, but it was filled with Beyonce music, filled with, I think there was even a Jay-Z beat in there, <laughs> or, or Kanye beat, I don't know, but there was a lot, of, no, it was The Weeknd, right, yeah, it was The Weeknd, Jay-Z, I mean, Beyonce, uh, Beyonce yeah. and The Weeknd, yeah. and maybe even Drake, but mm. it shows you we are culture, mm. 
but we're not represented as that, you know? Yeah. It's we're not represented at all because we're not supposed to be. We're right. supposed to be invincible. That's why they call our communities hoods. They call it the hood because you put a hood over it. It's I supposed to be it was invisible. A short form for neighborhood. What the heck? No. Okay. I call it. I call it what it is. Or or take. You know, you could. You could argue that. Okay. So how about this? Take it as the project. You know what a project is? As in in an, uh, urban communities, mm-hmm. they're um, where they put a million people in homes with each other. They're called projects because that's what it was. It was a project, and that's what it still is. America is an experiment. These projects are an experiment. Uh, separation of communities are an experiment. You have a suburban neighborhood with, uh, with amazing schools. You know, I mean, my school had smart boards in every classroom, and this was in 2010, 9, and 8. Smart boards. Instead of chalkboards, you wrote with your finger. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, we have flat screen TVs in our cafeteria. We have pasta for lunch. You know, we had seven different turf fields, turf fields, right. mind you. And turf is expensive. We had our own school district school buses. And I, I realize I say that now because I realize most school districts don't have their own buses. And that was in these suburban neighborhoods. But in these urban communities, you have uh, brick buildings that look like prisons. You have concrete everywhere. You don't have any fields. If you want to practice football, you have to go to a community center or something. You know, there's no after-school programs. There's no clubs. There's no tutoring. I mean, your teachers are your age. I mean, in in these urban communities, the teachers are fresh graduates. You could find a teacher. um, You could find a job teaching in an urban community just like that. If you could tell incoming foreign students and i mean incoming foreign students from africa even because their experience is very different because when they usually come here uh they realize the the whole stigma with black people and black america because people in africa who grew up in africa don't i don't think there's that internalized shame as much they're more focused on being poor you know no 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 i'm being this serious i mean it sounds weird but i'll explain further but um americans uh, i'm or just Africans of all shades, and you're talking Jamaicans, Caribbeans, uh, anyone, you know, yeah. that's my color or my people. Um, they come over and they have a different experience and they have a different perception of America than we do. And they look at us differently also. And it's because they come here and they're ready for work, you know. And I, how about this? That's on a micro scale. I want to take it on a macro scale for, for, at first. Uh, when foreigners, poor foreigners come to America, they look at poor Americans like they're crazy, you know, because poor in America is still first class in these poor countries, you know. Americans, we get welfare, we get uh, SSI, we get uh, food stamps, we get we get a lot of um, a lot of help. Right. We get a lot of help, Quote you know. Help. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and Republicans call it uh, entitlements, though. Mm-hmm. It's fucking weird. But, uh, yeah, we get a lot of assistance, you know? Right. In Africa, when you're poor, you go dig in a trash until you find something to eat. And I'm not generalizing on Africa. I'm just saying in third oh. world countries, yes, you know? Third, yeah. third world countries, you go dig in a trash. You drink water that's cloudy. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It, it's, it's just what it is, you know? Yeah. We have this America, all we know is we know what we experience, you know? Yeah. We're still complaining with our running water because yeah. they're comparing our situation to their past situation. Yeah. And I think what you just said is very, very important. Everyone knows their own experience. You can't, you can't 
It cannot be wars of who has it worse. Yeah. It's like they're more focused on being poor and trying to get out of it. Mm. All we know is poor. Just like all they know is poor. Yeah. You know, so that's that's instinct. Survival economically. But we're also surviving uh, brutal bru- brutality. Help me brutality? out. Brutality. Brutality. Yeah. Brutality. <laughs> Yeah, we're also surviving brutality. We're surviving PS- PTSD. We're surviving like constant uh, replays yeah. of them killing uh, Tamara Rice on television. What does that do to the mind? For you know, for sure, for sure. But then I have to come back to that point where everyone, you can't like everyone's experiences needs to be validated at least for themselves because it's not the the people from there just care about not being poor. It's they have their own ethnic genocides and their own horrible politics to you know, oh, no, absolutely. go on and not not undermining anyone's experience but i just i just think that um see the difference though i i'm really glad you brought that up because uh to clarify you did um that did need to be clarified but when they come to america they're not focused on who they're escaping they're focused on uh trying to not be poor anymore yeah. you know they're not worried about that last dictator that they just ran from because they're in America now. Mm. They're only focused on not being poor. Yeah. We don't have a Hitler to point at and say he was the bad guy. Right. We don't have that bad guy because oh. that bad guy is still in office. Mm. That bad guy has Everywhere. multiplied by millions. Yeah. That bad guy is in a court system. That bad guy is the sheriff that comes to our front door. Mm. You know, Not all of them, but yeah. many of them. And you can say even most of them. You can argue most of them. Right, right. Because it's an institution. It's not based on the individual. The point was made, and I didn't want to, like, talk over you, and that's why I was making all these actions. That's what they mean when they say institutional racism. That's what they mean. You just explained it really well. You passed the baton on. Yeah. It's, and it's all over. You can't point a finger, uh-huh. which kind of makes it, Yeah. What makes us look crazy? Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes us look crazy is that we're pointing all over the place. Yeah. He's racist. He's racist. He's racist. He's racist. But we, what people don't understand is that it's not the it's it's not the racism. It's 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 what causes it. It's not the action. It's it's what causes it. You know, you have problem and solution or or action and reaction. We're just reacting to it. Uh, I is, think I lost my train no, of thought. No, no, no. This is um. This could get into a really deep spiritual conversation because uh, I'm now reminded of karma. Because hmm. that's the, the law of karma is that it's that we as humans are constantly reacting to some things that were embedded in our DNA, things that we don't even necessarily remember right now. So if you come from a tough past, genetic DNA. I love that. I mean, yeah. uh, genetic uh, re- memory, genetic memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Bird very valid. Me. That's very valid. So it's, if you come from a history of abuse and torment. At the hands of, you will be reacting to it. It's, it makes complete sense. Oh, exactly. Why do a bird yeah. know who to stay away from or what a predator to stay away from? Yeah. You know, it's why do we know to breathe as soon as we're born? It's it's genetic memory. Yeah. You know, like it's an instinct. It is. It is, and it's that deeply embedded. And I'm it? reacting to 398 years of <laughs> torment. 398. You're not, you don't seem to me as someone, you, like the first thing in your mind is not, oh my gosh, there's too many foreign people coming in, whereas black people are still low rung. I wonder if they're conscious of the opportunity that they're given. Oh, they are. Because in, in urban communities, you have a, and I, this, it's going to sound weird, but it's called a Chinese store. 
That's what it's called. And it's a fast food takeout, quick to go, you know, in and out type spot. You know, they have them in every corner. It's like a 7-Eleven in Philadelphia. And mind you, their food is to die for. Most of it's dead cat and stuff, but it's still amazing. <laughs> they have Chinese stores in America and in these urban communities. And they make tens of thousands off of these communities. You have Indian uh, who come in and sell uh, and sell hair weave or sell whatever they want, open up a bodega or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they make tens of thousands off the black community. They send their kids to school. What do they do for the black community? Why, why are there no black store owners in these communities? You know, why are there no black bodegas? You only see foreigners who come in and they get grants to come in and build these stores in this country. And they don't build them in suburban communities. They do, but they're more fancy restaurants. But they come into these urban communities and take the opportunities that black men and women should create. You know, and uh, since we're on it, I, I'm, since we're on this topic, it's, uh, what's also interesting is that integration has been the biggest downfall of the black community. Because while we're talking about economics, before integration, it was we had to shop black. We literally had to shop black. If we wanted to go to a movie theater, we had to go to a black-owned movie theater. If we wanted to buy sneakers, we had to go to a black-owned sneaker shop. Right. You know, coffee shop, grocery store, Pampers. It didn't matter. We had to shop black, even to bury our dead. Mm. With integration, we spread out, and we wanted inclusion. So now we shop at the guy who hates us. We give our power. Listen, money is power. We give our power away to people who don't want us in this country. Yeah, I guess the fallout of inclusion, and I don't think the black community requested that. They said, we'll integrate you, but at the same time, we're going to open the doors for everyone else. So, mm -hmm. you know, the floodgates open. Yeah. Um, last question for reals. Um, oh, is it? I can, <laughs> you want a refill? Don't. Are you sure? Don't. Okay. Because you've been talking a lot. I'm chilling. All right. Um, <clears throat> incoming foreign population if there's three things you could tell them about America t tell me three really great things about this country and three big misconceptions that you probably want them to think over a little bit before coming to this country it can be anything that silence is acceptance that if you see something and you choose to ignore it for your own well-being or your own benefit then you're part of the problem give me an example of where you've seen that sort of behavior Muslims. Take Muslims. I don't see too many of them coming out for these Black Lives Matter rallies. Mind you, I don't I don't agree with the Black Lives Matter or I <clears throat> I should start over. <laughs> I do not I'm not a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, you know. I don't feel there needs to be a title for it and I feel by calling it giving it a title that uh it gives the media an opportunity to just blanket everything that black people do, you know? So I don't fuck with Black Lives Matter. But I do not see Muslims coming out to these rallies in support of black people, you know? I mean, black issues is the defining issue of American society. Mm. I don't see them coming out for that. But people are supposed to rally right now for them, you know? And I get it, you know? They are my brothers. Brown people are my brothers. That's just point blank, period. That's just the way I look at it. If you're melanated, you are my brother. They are. But at the same time, it's, it's where are you with other problems? You turn your cheek to, to benefit yourself with these major issues in America. 
because it doesn't affect you directly. But now it affects you and I would like to have that conversation with a Muslim, you know? For sure. You know? And I mean, it could be, I guess, you know, you could have replaced that even with immigrants in general. Like a lot of immigrants are protesting about the ban, but what about if you want to be a part of this country, then how about voicing your support in very all-American problems? Like, I mean, I no, absolutely. Black issues, even a women's march. I even this is off. This issue. is even off topic, but yeah. I really did not care for that women's march at all. Yeah, I'm right. sorry, I thought it was complete bullshit because you saw so many people, so many A-list celebrities come out and they spoke some fire, dog. <laughs> like they spoke fire, and I'm like, what? Where were y'all just two weeks ago? Where were y'all with all these black protests? It's getting really overwhelming, but this is what's gonna happen. And you even see that with black celebrities too, like Whoopi Goldberg, that fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm you so can cut that. that. Yeah. What about Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> you guys don't know what just happened before the sentence, but we'll just let him get into it. No, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's just people pick and choose the battles that they want to fight. So what are the battles? The number? I mean, if you—that's what I'm saying. If, if, if I feel, thing, I I know I'm biased because I am a black male. I'm not even black. I'm a black male, and that means more because of the fact that of what black males mean to society. We are tossed to the side. We are tossed in prison like it's nothing for crimes, equal crimes that white men create. We're just the bottom of society you know so so being a black male means so much more in uh politics i feel than uh being i'm not going i can't even say that i'm sorry just scratch that because yeah. being a black woman they have their own fight you know they have that sally hemmings like there's so many aspects of their psyche as well i think you've answered a lot of my questions without really saying it out because to i think to a black person society here is still very much black and white and rightfully so because that issue never got resolved so it's just brushed under a rug it was brushed under a rug and it's the reaction continues to happen which is why we have black lives matter and so to a black person i completely understand why it's a black and white society and brown people are brothers sure because mm -hmm. we all had oppressors but, but not just that because we are melanated yeah of course and, and that, that that's <laughs> that literally makes us brothers for sure, for sure. Like, blood brothers. Blood. Like, I mean, like, you can go as far as to say that, but I'm just saying, like, it's not something that you consciously think about. It's it's more about solidarity of the black community and really mm -hmm. oppression of white supremacy. Absolutely. I it's the Western that. world. Mm. It's, it's fighting. It's yeah. fighting against the right. uh, mantra of the Western world. For sure. So brown, Asian, Middle Eastern, they could really show their support more to mm -hmm. these issues which are inherently very American, as you've Mm -hmm. beautifully explained through the interview um yeah so silence is acceptance that's one thing silence is acceptance any other things that you'd like to say all hip-hop is not the same west coast is <laughs> rap and hip-hop is not the same hip-hop is higher higher infinite power healing our people it's an acronym that's where hip-hop comes from the 80s it was a movement it was a culture it was an expression Rap is a corporate form, is a corporate entity. Rap is a bastardized form of hip-hop that was pushed to the forefront by the corporate entities to create this image of black ignorance, of black free will, free thinking, free sex, you know, quote-unquote. Hip-hop is everything. 
rap mm -hmm. is a lower form of ourselves that we need to step away from. Higher infinite power healing our people. Thug life, too. Tupac's thug life. That was an acronym as well. The hate you give little infants, fuck everything. What? That doesn't... Little. The T-H-U-G. The hate you give little infants, fuck everything. Yeah, thug life. What does that mean, though? The hate you give little infants. Fucks everything. No. The hate you give little infants. Exclamation point. Fuck everything. That was Tupac's. He had it on his chest. International students are like nodding right now. <laughs> They're like getting the, the wokeness is. No, seriously, like, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we are. We. Maybe. I want people to get, especially foreigners, mm. to to research different, have different avenues of uh, of intake of American culture, you know, of American knowledge, of American history. Don't just focus on one part or from one source of information, you know. Yeah, I feel the biggest thing is just for people to really open their minds. We live in an age where you could get anything at any point of any time. You just click my iPhone and she talks to me. I could ask her anything and she'll either pull it up on the web or answer it for me in verbal form, you know. Like there's no reason for us to be ignorant in these times, you know. If you see a whole race of people struggling... And I'm not even just talking locally. I'm talking globally. Why is it that the whole black race on this planet is struggling? Though all of the natural resources come from us. Mm -hmm. That makes your cell phones, that make your cars, all of it comes from Africa. Why is it that all of us are struggling? You just ask uh, hard-hitting questions. Just ask yourself that. You know, analyze things. That's all I want from people. I overanalyze life, and I know it's annoying. Like, I, I know it is because I experience it on a daily basis, but we need to start analyzing things and not just taking it for what it is. Okay. Point blank, period. Yep. And with that, any last words? I, I feel like I've, yeah, we talked for like an hour and a half. Can you have anything to say? But here's the thing. Uh, you know, you, you, you clearly explained how when you're in school, you're taught this, you're shown these images, and you're always taught America is great taught in in a way big thing that i noticed when i moved here and i know a lot of people can agree with this is that i felt that americans are optimistic to a fault they're so confident like they literally never doubt themselves i've never seen an american doubt themselves on a you go you go to a shop customer service the guy is okay saying he doesn't know something like sorry ma'am i don't know where that is that doesn't happen in a lot of countries. Americans can be very confident. Like they don't, they don't see themselves like, we second guess ourselves a lot. No. Maybe because we're immigrants, but we don't necessarily, you said we're silent and silence is acceptance, right? It's because we don't feel, we're always doubting ourselves. And it's that's partly to do with the kind of culture that we grew up in, where they're like, don't say something if you're gonna sound stupid. But the other part of it is also that, you know, we, we doubt ourselves a lot. We, we are programmed to think white culture is superior to the extent where we've internalized it. We don't, it doesn't blow up in our faces as much as it does in this country. Well, I guess black people are like fighting from the day they're born, but they, they're fighting. We don't even fight it. And it's so deep that we don't realize 
that we're actually we are stuck in a colonial hangover. I remember us. I remember us talking a couple of months back about uh, the Indian culture and how they've just accepted the reality of white supremacy, or not even white supremacy. You call it what you want. You know, white dominance, whatever. You know, um, I get that. I yeah. I don't know. I get that, but. You don't have to necessarily say anything. I just, I just voiced something, and it might be something that you never even thought about, but it's something that just came to light now. No, you, you, you make a, you, you make a good point. It's just, uh, I don't know. My mind's going a million places right now. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about we start with this? I mean, that that confidence, that American confidence, which is literally looked at as arrogance by a lot of us who are new to this country. I mean. It's about image. I mean, the person I used earlier for image was uh, our lovely President Trump, you know? And I don't know. There's a rule. I no, don't no. use that guy. <laughs> I'll just call him president. I'll call him president. Yeah, so uh, our president, his whole, his whole career has been based off image, you know? And it's worked tremendously for him. Bigly. <laughs> Do that. Okay. I had to. So, so yeah, he, it worked bigly for him, you know. <laughs> no, but it worked for him, you know. And uh, that's all it is. Stand your ground, no matter what. Stand your ground. I am the richest man on the planet. I don't care what you say. I am the richest. My name on that building will bring in this much money. No matter what you say, it will. I am the best because we say we're the best. What do American uh, sports uh, sports franchises say? The best in the world, the biggest, uh, the best boxer on the planet. Blah blah blah. You have to exude that confidence because confidence sells. We don't want to buy into a, something poor or something that's uncertain. That's just what capitalism. That's just what consumerism does. Thank you for clearing that up. I can tell you in India, there's like this self-esteem issue so deep-rooted. Like if a white person comes in, we all think they're better than us. It's just in general. Like, I, I, not everyone, but people who are not. I think that way. No, you don't. I do. Uh, so I'm not saying every day, but I, I have no shame in my game. I speak it all from the heart because unless we start telling the truth about ourselves, unless we start analyzing the yeah. psyches of all of us, yeah. then we'll never come to terms with anything that's going on, you know? Yeah. Like, like. The mind is something that's really amazing. It's truly amazing. It works like a computer. Like, it's amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we don't know everything that goes on in the mind. We don't know why everything goes on in the mind, you know? We got to start talking about it. I feel that way because America told me to feel that way, you know? And I feel no shame about it, you know? Because as long as I can admit it, I know I'm changing it. I, I it just means me admitting that means that, one, I was successfully indoctrinated, mm -hmm. and two... That I am successfully unindoctrinating myself, you know. Very true. No, I, yeah, that, like I'll give you an example. When I say we automatically think a white person's better, I grew up speaking English, okay. But I will say this: when I first moved here, I maybe I didn't speak as loudly or as clearly because I was just so aware that I didn't sound like a white person. And um, for a black person, it could be a different thing because I don't think linguistically there's, or maybe. Absolutely, I fucking sound white as fuck. I always have, but I grew up in a white neighborhood. 
my aunt always thought, mind you, I was a 15, 16-year-old kid. And when I called my cousin to speak to speak to my cousin on the phone, this is when there was house phones, mind mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Landlines. Yeah. I would call and she would think I was the bill collector. <laughs> like, because there was no white people calling her house. Sure. And she okay. thought I sounded that because that was my environment. But I can understand. I hate, I never used that term sounding white because I understood what that meant to me as a kid growing up. It made me feel like I wasn't black, you know? And it wasn't something I couldn't control. So I don't say that phrase, but it is interesting. And it's, it rings true. There's something you, it, there's something there to it because I do know the way I sound versus the way my brothers sound. Now, my brothers didn't grow up in the same town I grew up in. They stayed with their father when my mom split up. So I know the distinct difference between our tones. I know the distinct difference between our educations because we came from the same womb, yet we're two different individuals, or five different individuals, actually. So I can compare our experiences. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Like your brothers maybe don't sound as white as you do? No, my brothers sound hood as fuck. <laughs> so do you feel like, I mean, maybe they own it. Maybe they don't necessarily feel like... But they don't, they don't know the way they sound because that's all they think. I mean, because it's not all they think. I mean, it's, it's, it's who they are. Like, like... That's it. They're comfortable with that to some degree. We try to shut it down. We try to not sound like who we are because we're not, we're not okay with who we are. You know? No, absolutely not. Because I, for all of it... And I mean, there's... I'm just highlighting an interesting problem because it's like you still see black media figures. So you know there's some black celebrity who sounds like you, even if you're, in your words, hood as fuck. Mm. But for someone who's not from here and you come here, we don't, we don't, it's weird because we don't aspire to sound black. We don't aspire to, we, we aspire, it's white aspirational. We want to sound, um, we're it's just, it? it isn't. And it's as like you said, it feels it's the, I can tell you, I still feel a bit of shame in admitting it. I mean, I've come a long way now, but part of this podcast, I, I'm very aware that my... I'll give you, before you go on, um, I give you this one distinct memory that makes me cringe. So um, back in middle school, high school, you remember uh, the acne face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to use this product called Naxima. Okay. Uh, and my mom would use it, so I would use it and shit. So uh, I just like the way uh, the end product of like right after you wash it off your face, because like your face is less oily and it's like it, it's amazing. And I have this distinct memory and it was a complete accident, but I remember her facial expression and my reaction. Uh, I just uh, washed the stuff off my face and I remember coming out the bathroom and I forget how the conversation started, but I remember her, I remember telling my mom, I like it because it makes me look pale. I didn't mean to say it that way. I wasn't talking about it makes me look pale. I meant it, it dries out, it takes the oil out of my skin. But I remember her looking at me like really hard with a confused face, like a nigga what face. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what did you just say to me? But um, I always cringe at that because, like, though it was unintentional and I didn't mean it that way. How old were you? I was, what, 15 maybe? And uh, I didn't mean it that way, but it still resonates because it's like, Mm. there was other things that I did that... uh, Yeah, yeah. And when you were, that's what I'm saying. 15 is, like, not that young. But when you were younger, the more unconscious things that you probably, like... Well, mind you... uh, 
I started in that town at nine, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the end of fourth grade, uh, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I was the uh, clown in the school, you know, like I was the the funny black dude, you know, right. and uh, not athletic, but you were that. Yeah, yeah, I, I was the funny, the the loud one, you oh. know, uh, and that clearly changed in high school. But yeah, that was Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I think. Yeah, I feel like I just, I just, I guess I just told you something on behalf of the brown community. It's like there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of internalized shame. We don't need because we don't have to fight it every single day like black people. We don't see white people every day in our lives, which is a good thing and a bad thing because it's not it's not angry all the time reactivity like here, but it's inside. So it doesn't always come out. And when it comes out, it comes out in these embarrassing ways like. Hmm. What's the politics like? Are they still there? Well, because there's no there's no foreign control anymore. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it's. But foreign. But well, like, when uh, we uh, think uh, of control, like politics. Figurehead. No, no foreign figureheads. Of course, there's multinational corporations with you know. I was gonna say that's control yeah, because yeah, they say uh, Africa's not colonized anymore. But look at Exxon Mobil. Look at look at uh, what's that chocolate company? Nestle. Look at Nestle. Like, Nestle's all up in Africa. Okay. Where do you think they get their damn chocolate from? Right. Um, if you mean there. exploitation of resources, that's a whole different... Oh, for sure. That's... that's. But that's not... For sure. Uh, yeah. In a very, like, economic sense. But I'm, I'm just focusing here on the cultural impact, you know? But don't you think uh, the economics... Uh, Impacts, impacts of, the culture well yeah now that you think about it because like, if you're I, sold from, from my perspective mm-hmm. and my perspective is black people besides the uh silver uh ironclad clip fist of the white community on us mm-hmm. on our backs we also have the economics that controls us too in america it's it's everything to own property because that's equity with property you could get a you could get a car loan with property, you could get uh, you could refinance your house. With property, you could get a loan for your child's education. You know what I mean? You could put money away. You have something to leave them when you pass. Home property is everything. We were shut out of all that. You know, economics truly controls us. I mean, no, I you know because that's that's what I'm saying. If we go into those aspects, there's gonna be discrepancies. And you're right. So, we have we have our land, so to speak. You know, we, we had colonizers come to our land and they didn't take the land away, but they took our sense of who we are away from us. And that's a little harder to call out in some ways because it's like, yeah, you don't have colonizers in your country anymore. What are you complaining about? But the damage was done in such a way that we just grew up feeling something was wrong. It's so internalized. And that's what I'm saying, since we don't have to deal with it every day. Such an interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah. Idea because you don't have the... Uh, the colonizers there anymore you don't have them physically there pointing at you saying you're this inside yeah it's interesting because i i always wonder like how would a black nation truly start because africa's not a black nation it's completely controlled by the europeans and if it's not directly controlled by the europeans in politics it's indirectly because they're behind door number one, See, controlling the become, president. That every nation is indirectly controlled by OI superpower. If we get into, I mean, if we really get into technicalities, that can be proven. I think you know that's what I. No, mean. absolutely. But I'm just 
but even africa they don't have they don't have a white person there right now who's like in a position of power in that way or in, in part yeah but it's but internalized not only internalized what i was saying with africa to separate the difference between india and africa is like y'all have it internalized like that they still the remnants of their presence yeah. still is still there you mm-hmm. know but in africa or in many parts of africa um uh, they're behind the curtain, you know, they're Oz, they're the great and powerful Oz behind the curtain. You can't really see them. Mm-hmm. You can never point to them, but they're there, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's yeah, it's that corrupt a-hole that controls Nigeria, mm-hmm. but it's not that corrupt a-hole that controls Nigeria, you know what I mean? It's not that president that controls it, you know? It's just not. There's a European in there who's paying them off to be in office. That's why that country is still to this day the most corrupt, um, country on the planet yeah see you know yeah then, then we get into the, I, and i'm gonna keep trying to steer this back to cultural and social norms because when it comes to economics it, i'm saying it's complicated yeah, because away yeah <laughs> only because it's it's like and i'll say this to india too it's not we have to keep, take responsibility we have indian politicians who have power now whether they are controlled backhand by a foreign power debatable possible even but fact of the matter they're Indian, they're holding position in office, and they're not doing any favors for their countrymen. And I'm sure it's like that in Africa or any sort of developing country which seems to not have a foreign face holding a position of power, but it's somewhere there. It's, it's greed. It's two-way. It's not just that. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. So let's just try to, sorry to, let's steer back to the, the cultural, you know, impact of it. So I just wonder, like, the after effects, if I may, of uh, having some sort of white oppression and I can tell you from an Indian perspective, Indian experience, it's this very, very deeply internalized sense of shame. Yoga is so Indian. But you won't see... <laughs> I thought it was came from LA. Please don't be serious, because that's the kind of thing that makes me really sad. Yeah. But you won't see Indians come up and like... How you feel about yoga is how we feel about jazz, rock, hip-hop, R&B... <laughs> art um okay. language mm. i mean it all comes from africa but yet we are the bottom i'm glad you i'm so glad you mentioned that because like i don't i can't i don't know if it's equal but it, it's somewhat equal you know like my passion yeah. for this shit you know why mm-hmm. like like to walk to wake up every day and to know you are greatness and to look at your skin complexion and to know it's beautiful and to know that it's blessed by God. like, And when I say God, I'm not talking about no human being. I'm talking about the sun, the thing that controls everything on this planet. The sun, without the sun, there would be no humans. There would be no trees, no plants, yeah. none of that. With The sun did this to my skin. That's a blessing. I'm sorry, but your skin looks hella good. And we, we are the same complexion. <laughs> there is something about brown skin. You know what I mean? I'm sorry to go off topic, no, but no. it's 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 true to wake up every morning and to look at your skin and to know its greatness but for the world to unanimously almost agree that it's not it's like to wake up every morning to know these things to know that we literally built this country and when i say literally i mean it was our free labor that came and built this country that made way for the rockefellers that made way for the jp morgans and the uh the steel guy what's his name carnegie Mm. carnegie is that that was carnegie right yeah the steel guy. The steel guy. But <laughs> <laughs> from from your perspective to tie back together, from your perspective with the yoga thing, to see where yoga came, like yoga took America by storm, and it's not even a fucking exercise. 
it's, it's really not even not, exercise. It's not, but it's like that's how it's seen today. And it's very... that's all America is. That's to go back to. The, it's great that we're ending right here because, like, to go full circle back to the first question, I believe it was the first where uh, I mentioned how there was this uh, hollowness that America has, and that's why we're. Uh, that's why it's a consumer nation because it's it's not supposed to be in existence. This place is not supposed to be here. You know, so we're just trying to fill this empty void and, and it's never ending. That's why we have this yoga trend and people like go. I, I hate that when people when I see people with yoga mats, I want to puke. <laughs> like it's not an exercise. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you know that. No, uh, well, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not an exercise in the sense. Yeah, it's actually a, it was a, it was a way of life. See, uh, just to talk, and I'm not I even going to include tai, this. Yeah, the, most of Eastern religion wasn't a religion, but if we didn't call ourselves a religion, we would have been colonized and converted to Christianity. So we had to come up with a name to kind of save our asses, and that's why you have like Native American religion is just the way of life, nature. They don't have Native Americanism. But Catholicism just like took over that whole thing. So we had to kind of integrate our beliefs and call it Hinduism. So that's kind of what it is. But yeah, yoga is actually a spiritual practice. It's like an overall thing. We'll have answers to a lot of things if we dig far enough into history and find fact. Where do we come from? How did we get so many shades? Why is one particular shade hated by the sun? Why do they burn in the sun? Right, yeah. So keep asking the questions and you'll get the answers. You'll get answers to a lot of things. Yeah. Why is that particular race running the planet? Yeah, yeah. Questions, questions. And that's like the whole (laughs) Kermit drinking tea thing. No, I just, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, I I just, but can you imagine that? Are we off air? No, we're not. Can you imagine that though? Like coming here and feeling like, you know, you grew up speaking this language your whole life and then you feel like, I don't sound white, so I should shut up maybe because I'm going to sound stupid. And that's half of it is internalized racism from our own country. And then, you know. And, yeah. and uh, self-deprivation even. Like, like, I know I'm a smart guy, right? I, I do. I, I am. I am. I mean, pat yourself on the back when you... Own it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Smart. Mm. Absolutely. Smart to an extent, of yeah. course, but I'm smart nonetheless. So, yeah, uh, with all that, I lose train of thought mm. a lot. And that's cool. Everyone does, you know. Even even presidents have. I mean, George Bush was our president. I could lose train of thought anytime I want, okay? So, yeah, yeah so uh, with that, it's like yeah. when I'm around Caucasians and speaking... Uh, I lose train of thought a lot more because on top of thinking about what I'm thinking about, I'm also thinking about how they're reacting and perceiving me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do I sound smart to them? Do I sound like a, a stereotype? How can we make sure we do not sabotage our chance at life by seeing who we are as a weakness? a burden, a complexity. If we want our identity and all that comes with it to empower us, we need to give ourselves permission to feel, to analyze, and to authentically confront who we are with the goal of embracing and understanding it 
so that we may no longer feel stuck because of it. Aliens with Visas has been my start at this lifelong process. Signing off one last time with a whole lot of gratitude and love.